You know the one about the fisherman and the business person? The fisherman comes back from a morning of fishing. And as he's docking his boat, he encounters a business person. And the business person, intrigued by the fisherman, walks up to him and he says, Hey friend, you know, just kind of like having small talk. And he says, what are you up to? He says, oh, you know, I'm going to go home now and and uh, go take a nap. And then afterwards, you know, play with my kids. And in the afternoon, I'll take a walk with my wife and I'll make some dinner later and then uh, with her. And then, and then after dinner, you know, head to the bar, hang out with friends, maybe listen to some guitar, sing some songs. And the business person says, well, have you ever thought about staying out a little longer and maybe possibly hauling in some more fish? And the, the, the uh, fisherman says, no, what for? And he says, and the business person says, what do you mean what for? You know, you could, if you bring in more fish, you could possibly take them to market and sell them and you sell them. Maybe, you, you know, in time you could buy yourself another little boat and, and who knows, maybe after a little while you could potentially have an entire fleet of, of little boats and, and, you know, all going well, maybe you can one day have your own little company and then before you know it, you have a corporation and, and I mean, who knows, uh, maybe eventually you'd be a part of a global fishing conglomerate. And the fisherman looks to him and says, what for? And the business person now a little frustrated says what do you mean what for you know if you have a, this major business you know you could sell it for millions and millions of dollars and then you would have all the money you need to do all the things you really wanted to do you know you could spend time with your family and just be free to do your thing you know to which the uh, fisherman responds well what the hell do you think i'm doing now And see, that's the thing, right? How do we ever know, how to ever know who's really winning or who's really getting ahead? And who gets to decide or who gets to set the standard for what it means to win or to lose? What does winning really look like when it's not subservient to or, or trying to please itself? I know it's a trite little example of this story, but you get the point, right? As children, most of us are taught that it's not winning that matters most, but having fun, right? That competition is meant to or supposed to breed character and discipline. And it's through our reactions to winning and to losing that we discover ourselves and we learn valuable lessons about the value of having a good attitude and of what having a noble disposition can do, uh, that, that it takes us a long way to helping us become well-adjusted human beings. We are made to learn and to promise that no matter win or lose, we will always play fair, strive to win, and always do our best. Right? That's the... Uh, the Little League creed, the Little League model that will play fair and strive to win and win or lose, no matter win or lose, I'll always do my best. But when we grow older and as we leave childhood behind and our encounters with the trials and tribulations of winning and losing become 
perverted or affected by our look into the future visions of all the pos possible outcomes of what may become of our, of our adult lives, we start to slowly retreat and leave behind our once innocent notions of the worth of and the value of what it meant to think about winning and losing. Confronted with this inertia, we, we scramble to make do with what we have and we try our best at making something of our lives with whatever nuance or originality we may still have left to ourselves. And then we begin to skip, skip out on our idealism and slowly succumb to the ever more mediated and encroaching models of efficiency. All of these things that are there in the name of making, uh, making our effort to win a little easier. Or making winning or our effort to win a little easier. And then we find all manner of... Uh, of method or story to justify and validate our need to find ways to win or at least appear like we're winning or better yet appear like we're making an honest effort to attempt to win and all of this childhood talk about embracing the nuance and embracing failure and of absorbing the byproducts of our clumsy imperfections uh, of taking that and putting them to putting that stuff to use uh, as, as, as the gesso for which to paint our masterpieces on, that slowly starts to vanish. And the way we stride from our do our best attempts, a way we move from being comfortable with the beauty of losing and of failure. And at this point, winning seems like the only viable option. And thus, we put the full force of our being on full assignment. And we start looking for that winning only feeling. And with it, inventing all manner of contraptions that will get us there without any detours or setbacks. Or at least minimal detours, right? Because there's a hack for everything. Right? There's no shortage of available technologies, uh, you know, uh, they're available to us in front of us. T technologies that promise to, uh, promise to get us ever so closer to our more perfect, efficient self. A self that is only a few hacks away from finding that, you know, that always in our face, that, that thing that taunts us, the standing around the corner promised authentic self that efficient perfect little self that will walk us gallantly into our happiness it seems that everything in our waking lives these days is geared towards supporting and validating the idea of winning at being ourselves absurd right and also I would challenge that there's no such thing as your authentic self so what is it that we're all desperately trying to win at? And how nice would it be to free ourselves from, the, from this winning bondage and put the metric-keeping devices down and say to hell to the 10,000 steps, get lost on our way to our next destination, get caught in traffic, and God forbid, lose time, miss that email. You know, go to the grandstand and sit happily... Uh, 
and and, and as our as our team loses yet another game. Is there not always something beautiful to watch and observe, even while we are losing? Is there no prize at bearing witness to the spectacle performers playing their roles straight and honestly, even when they make mistakes and remind us of our infallibility? Is watching those talented demigods do their thing not reward enough? Am I being too romantic? Of course I am. You know, we can't always, all the time, be always winning. There can only be one World Series champion at the end of the season. It's a goal so unattainable, it's, it's almost as if it didn't exist, like perfection. And, and we hardly ever stop to acknowledge it, because perfection doesn't exist. And we know this, and still we insist on it every day. And the desire and drive to achieve this perfection by simplistic definitions of of, of, of what it means to win or what to be to be perfect, this becomes our cross to carry. And foolish are those who don't hustle harder and smarter to get that win at the end of the don't stop when you're tired, rise and grind day. The following episode, which thanks to the professor is a top-class analysis, not so much on the culture of winning, but, on, but about our obsession with winning. Whether some of us like to admit it to ourselves or not, we are all obsessed with winning. It's a conversation about winning and its most sexy but much maligned bedfellow. And I'm not talking about losing. I'm talking about cheating. And, yes, about cheating. And how much our life-hacking, Apple Watch-wearing, 10,000-step-counting, sleep-hygiene-seminar-attending, Marie Kondo-throw-away-everything-with-a-smile, Alexa-listening-sabermetrics, wins-over-replacement, data-driven obsession gave us none other than... The Houston Astros cheating scandal. It's us, folks. This scandal is a reflection of our obsession with getting ahead. The Houston Astros, like us, were just trying to get ahead. But why? Why our obsession with wanting to win, even when the risk of attempting to do so can expose us to becoming swindlers ourselves? What would winning look like to that loafing fisherman grandstanding next to us in our beautiful grandstand? Oh shit, if you could answer that question, you wouldn't have to listen to this episode. But since you can't, why not have a listen? The Major League Baseball cheating scandal sending shockwaves around the world. We're talking about America's national pastime. Mike Trout now has been given a pass by baseball because he has this thyroid thing, so he's doing steroids. Uh, Tony La Russa's been cheating since the 80s, and you heard those comments. 
everyone whining about the Astro. I mean, nobody is safe in baseball right now. There's going to be nobody left. My God, I mean, the mud is three feet deep, and it's getting deeper by the minute. This weekend, the New York Times revealed another meeting at Trump Tower in which representatives of foreign governments apparently offered to help the Trump presidential campaign. The former Democratic National Committee chairwoman, Donna Brazil, um, that the Clinton campaign, in her view, did rig the presidential nominating process before she defeated uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. This must shock you. Now to the school cheating scandal that is gripping the city of Atlanta. A former superintendent and 34 of her employees accused of an elaborate scheme to fake test scores. I'm sick and tired of everybody looking for an edge. I'm sick and tired of everybody bouncing around with videos, garbage, and components, and cameras, and phones, and watches, which we learned about a year ago at the Yankees and the Red Sox with Boston trying to steal signs. This is a bunch of nonsense. This is a question of competitive integrity, and no one should be so naive as to believe that everything in modern sports is... Uh, the absolute epitome of every all-American ideal and guys on a Wheaties box. We know that's not true. But if you can't believe in the basic honesty and integrity of the competition itself, stop watching. So why are we irrationally outraged? Or are we... What is the deal? Why are we outraged by the Astros cheating, Professor? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I think there's... Lots of reasons. Um, do you feel this outrage being uh, the same going back to the the steroid scandal, or do you do you sense this uh, being even even larger? Mm, me, me personally, um, uh, I don't think it's larger. I think the steroid thing was was much more rampant, and a lot more people. Maybe got actually I don't know if this is right or not, but from from like a moral standpoint, I see the the steroids as being like more immoral if you could put it on a on a spectrum. But um, but this 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 seems to implicate the same amount. It, it seems to, it seems to be like hey everybody's doing it, just a few got busted, and I'm thinking well they're kind of very similar I think right, kind of like opening the opening the, you know, lifting the, the, the covers on something and realizing, like, holy shit, this place is infested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um... I guess I didn't answer your question, sorry. Well, no, because I, I think it is hard. I think it's hard to, like, to really measure, you know, the difference in, is the outrage larger on this one than... And, of course, it, it's always easier for it to feel larger in the moment, you know, than when you look uh, retrospectively, but... um. But of course, a big difference now is that this scandal is happening during the the social media era, um, which wasn't didn't exist during the the steroid era. But um, there is like a me personally, I when I heard about this, I did have a uh, I, I was I was outraged, like as far as like a, I did have a, an emotional reaction to it, um, which is I would say for myself, it's it's rare. Like I usually. It's hard to get me there, and this and this did it to me. But but when thinking about like the the rationality of that, I just it's you know why is it that the the way that the Red Sox were cheating or the way that the Astros were cheating um, is any different than you know a team that encourages their pitchers to 
you know, teaches, uh, gives tips to, you know, how to put pint on your cap or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever it is, or, or, you know, knows maybe that some players are on steroids and, um, I think it's hard to really say it's, it's, it's truly different. Um, and there's the Dodgers pitcher, you know, uh, Alex Wood, who said, I would rather face a player that was taking steroids than, than face a player that knew every pitch that was coming. And I get the sense that that's kind of like the consensus. It sounds like, like, I think it's, it sounds like people are saying like, yeah, this is different because it's, it adds a, a, a it's another level of an ad, of advantage but um i don't i'm not sure i i'm not sure that's really true you know like why is alex wood it was he equally as as outraged when he knew a team was you know just stealing signs the traditional way it's still it's it's having the same effect do you, do you have you understood the root of your outrage i i was actually I was surprised that you were so, so outraged. You, you being a, a huge proponent of cheating, uh, yeah. as am I. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still perplexed as to. I mean, now that you're you're saying this thing about Wood, that I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, I've heard that argument, and it it does, it it can sway me a little bit to the side of 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 being outraged. I'm not outraged, uh, but have you? found out anything have you discovered anything about why you 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 had such a visceral reaction to this well my my first reaction when i heard about it was is yeah because i am i'm i think cheating you know like i there there's an art to it that's that that can be cool but when when hearing that it involved cameras and it involved apple watches like that it was the, the technology being brought into it and that's that was my my first response was like, dude, we we know cheating, we know everyone's cheating in the game, but um, but not with not with technology like that. Like now, that's that's getting that's getting out of control. And I and I think that's generally been the that's at the at the core of why people are reacting to this to this differently. Um, it's technology. Is it? I mean, it's certainly not because there's an aversion to technology and people feel like. The game is being infringed upon by by these devices, but more like you shouldn't you should know better than to use them in that manner, to use those tools in that manner. Well, I think because I feel like with say for example, like um, as opposed to say steroids, maybe I I don't I'm just winging this right now, but as opposed to steroids where uh you could just say like hey let's just make it it's it's um may allow it and if you want to do it then do it um you know part of why that doesn't work is because you know it's, there's there's like the health consequences and so you know like it's um with with the technology like what if the game just went just said you know what i guess every, all right so every team you can have a monitor uh, in your dugout and and you can have apple watches and now we just know now we know everyone has access to this whatever teams want to utilize it that's up to them and now every team needs to be more creative with you know changing up their signs um 
we could do that, and that way it's not cheating. There's a, there's a there's an honesty there. Everyone has equal opportunity at, at utilizing this technology. Um, you can say, you know, like it's inevitable. Technology is here; it's here to stay. Like we, it's it's we, we can only resist it for so long. Um, but I think even those who don't have an aversion to technology, I think deep down inside, um, they do. And and deep down inside, I think everybody, even those who embrace technology, uh, have an anxiety that's within them because there's an understanding that, um, there's an understanding of, of the power of technology and where it's taking us and going back, going to what you were just talking about in, in your monologue, um, it makes me think of, of the iron cage that Max Weber uh, talked about, mm. right? And he, he, told, and he talks about, about the, the, how we're trapped. Like we've become, social life has become one consumed by principles of, of rational calculation, uh, predictability, control, and then ultimately like efficiency. Efficiency and control are the guiding, the sacred values that, that help that organize. Um, so he focused on like bureaucracies, right? So mm-hmm. the bureaucratic system is based on these principles, but it's it gets to a point where those principles of how to organize bureaucracies uh, start to seep into our other institutions that that we engage with. And so before we know it, we're all controlled, like we're we're all living trapped within this iron cage of of calculation. That's control, you're talking about life hacking, uh, you know. Efficiency. You're talking about the the, yeah. the you're talking about like kind of the progenitor of life hacking, you know, so to speak, you know. Yeah, and and I think, well, on the one hand, there's this where there's this an embracing and this understanding that technology is a tool that we can harness to enhance that. Um, I do, th- and maybe this is just me projecting, but. I do think that deep down, everybody, even those who 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 are tech enthusiasts, understand that technology is taking us to a place where that that iron cage, it's uh, the bars are are just going to get thicker and stronger and 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 even close in more on us. So I think there is an inherent anxiety everyone has around technology, and 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 technologies place in baseball has been something that's been there there's been you know hesitancy to it and there's been those who are like weary of it um and this this cheating scandal just opened it up yeah instinctually the response to it i think is connected to this deeper anxiety we all have towards um towards the 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 power and the of technology and where where we're going so you would think that First and foremost, it's an aversion to potential outcomes of not taking a step back and and asking like where where is this going to go as far uh, specifically with regard to technology and what it could do to the game. Do you think that's at the top of the list of why we have have had an aversion or have had such an aversion to this idea of the cheating scandal with the Astros? I I don't know if it's if it's conscious like. Um, got it. If it's a conscious aversion, I think it is something that is more, you know, this, this subconscious thing. Um, when, when people heard, learned about technology being used, like that was their, that was their instant, 
their instant thought was, oh, come on, no, like, no, not, not in, not in baseball now, too. But the, but the conscious reasoning around it was the fact that the advantage that it provides is too much. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger advantage than every other form of cheating that we've had. But I think if we really think about it, like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's it does. Uh, and I think that's us. We, we, re, we react. Our moral judgments come or stem emo- out of our emotions and our emotional, mm-hmm. you know, our guttural reactions. Yeah. Right. And then we rationalize. Then we use our, our rational part of the brain to, to justify that emotional reaction. And I think that's the justification. The rational justification is that it, it gives too much of a of a unfair advantage, like even more than, than, you know, a pitcher with pine tar in their fingers. But yeah, I just, I, again, I, I don't know if that really holds up. I, th- uh, I, th- I think it's more of instinctually people heard technology and, and the instinctual reaction was disgust. Fear. Yeah. Do you, th- what do you think? Well, I have, I have just one more question for you because I, I, as I, I tend to use the term technology as a catch-all for um, for what is for, for 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 what me is my boogeyman is 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 you know the 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 tech guy with a computer who is going to solve all of my ailments is going to reduce my life to a science, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those, uh, the, the, the life that I personally believe has, should have nuance and romance and artistry and failure and absurdity and w- time wasting is going to now turn into a, like, again, a systematic, uh, efficiency, uh, device so that I can maximize my time here on earth. Uh, for what reason? I still don't under, I still don't know what the reason is, but when I say technology, is it fair to include the Moneyball sabermetrics movement that has led to uh, iPods in the dugout uh, after each at bat and players looking at their uh, sequence of pitches thrown at them and um, all the other things and metrics that we use to get ahead? When when we say technology, when I say technology, I, I I group all that stuff in there and I group this the camera camera Astro Gate incident in there. I, I group all manner of use of technology to make our game uh, more efficient, to produce wins, and to make it fair via uh, the use of instant replay. I group that all into the same thing. Is it is it a fair assumption, or are we talking about different things here? No, yeah, I, I yeah, I think so, and that's where I I think it's um you know m- maybe us seeing this is is different is um you know if we really hold it up to scrutiny we can it, it doesn't fully hold up because yeah i i feel you know and, and the but the thing with the utilizing all those other things that you mentioned is because um, we could have said no 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 like that's too like it, it, it gives too fair an, uh, of an advantage to use those things and so um, and so no one can use it, but instead our whole thing was like, our, our view on it was, Hey, this, this technology is here. Uh, people are going to use it. Like why? So it's, and it's not cheating because everyone can use it. So, 
Um, so couldn't we just as easily open it up the same way and say, and I'm not advocating we do this, but is it all that different if we just went, yeah, so technological equipment is, is readily accessible. Um, no point in trying to, you know, everyone can, everyone can have the monitors. Everyone can, can use it. And that's, you know, and it's up to you how much, how much you want to, how much you want to utilize it. Is it different? I mean. Which I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that we could we could um, we could dive deep into this and 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 some 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 very uh, thoughtful, intelligent human beings have already kind of uh, made arguments to discern between all these different mechanisms that I would include in technology. Uh, but I, to me, I just lump them all into one group because it's just, it's just easy for me to conceive of of things when I just make asinine generalized assumptions, but just for the sake of, of conversation and of passing the time. Um, not that I really truly believe any of the shit that I believe in. Um, but you know, the, the notion of, 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 a I I keep coming back to this idea of disruption, right? Mm-hmm. The, the money ball, the, 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 the notion or the idea that a team like the Oakland Athletics could game, let's just say for the sake of this conversation, uh, game the game the fee, game the basically get an advantage or use technology to their advantage to compete against the 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 Houston, the, the Dodgers and the Yankees, the big boys, right? So they used they used this idea of disruption, disruption theory. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just, but anyways, this idea of disruption. Basically, you take you take these algorithms, this technology, this new way of p- crunching numbers on a computer, and you come you come up with a way with an unconventional, non obvious way of gaming the system because now you're picking players based on a completely new model for how to uh, assess a player's value or worth as it relates ultimately to wins. And that's what we're going to talk about later. But ultimately to wins, that's that's the whole, the whole premise of this whole Moneyball thing is how can I squeeze more wins out of this group of, of ball players uh, by looking and, at things that I may have missed or using technology in such a way that um, – the algorithms, the computers, to tell me something that I'm I don't know, and I'm not, and I'm missing with my antiquated, nuanced, romantic, old way brain of doing baseball, right? And the Oakland Athletics like prove that it you can disrupt it via those mechanisms, and they have experienced lots of success without having to spend all the money that the big the big uh, the big boys spend, right? So they just they use technology to disrupt something. And it's they've been successful at it, right? Mm-hmm. So if cheating has been occurring in baseball, if sign stealing is a thing, a part of the game, um, did the Astros not? Did they just? Did they not just use an unconventional, non-obvious way of you know, uh, you know, banging on a trash can? That's that's pretty analog. You know what I'm saying? You get the <laughs> message, you relay it, you know. You know, there's there are stories of a guy in center field with a with binoculars or with a you know with a mm-hmm. with a with a telescope, and you know that that was a thing that's been around since forever. You know, 
And then you relay the message, however you relay it, and then they bang on a trash can, which I thought was brilliant and beautiful. I think I I, I found that to be the best part of the whole thing. It's like the banging on the trash can. That's that's just just so little league to me, you know. Yeah. Um, but weren't they just finding a way? Like if everybody else is doing it, they just found a different way of doing it. They just like, hey, we're gonna use these tools available to us, and we're going to get creative in a non-obvious way. Uh, find a solution to this issue of winning. How do we win more games? How do we use this technology to squeeze another victory out of the um, out of the out of the narrative? Is that I mean, could we, in theory, argue that this is the byproduct of that uh, obsession with efficiency and winning and victories and finding uh, m- m- making making the art of winning or of playing the game a scientific process? Yeah, you know, b- baseball exists interconnected to to the larger picture to the larger world and society of what's happening and so we've we have created a a climate a a a culture in which we we incentivize that behavior um and so it's it is yeah like the outrage we we do we point the finger uh at the at those who, who who transgress but but really i think the um it's not wanting to to dig dig a little deeper and 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 question this climate that we're all a part of um and and this is not advocating that there shouldn't be like that we shouldn't be that there shouldn't be a punishment and and we should just um but it's simply it's it's it does raise the question of like well what is it that we're really concerned about right and and we don't ever talk about it, and there's no forum to talk about it. And uh, I like to bitch about it, and maybe you bitch about it, but I bitch a lot about it. Um, but maybe no one cares, right? And that's okay too. But but you know, after it's all said and done, we're outraged that the Astros cheated. We feel better that we busted them and that people got fired. And Major League Baseball gets to you know say, look, we busted the cheaters, um, and you know. Pete Rose is banned for life from baseball. Yeah. You know, I love Pete Rose. And I'm like, well, well, I mean, I just, these things become, you know, these, these, these things become personal and petty and stupid. You know, there, there's a, there's a, there's this, there's this book I read once about, um, or maybe not a book, but maybe it was an article about how issues in, Issues in like world affairs, like foreign affairs and 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 foreign policy, historically has been greater affected and influenced by interpersonal relationships than by an actual nation's foreign policy. You know, so that like if you and I, Manny, are going to war or we have some kind of deal or not, that it's it's like my choice to invade you, attack you, or not attack you, or to cut a deal with you is is most of the time more affected by like the fact that I like you or I don't like you or by the fact that your wife slighted my wife, shit like that. There are examples throughout history of that Yeah, where these, 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 these outrages, these indignations, these, uh, re- these decisions to do these things on a, on a larger global national scale are predicated on 
stupid personal things and not necessarily uh reasons that go beyond uh um something well thought out and 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 ex and and analyzed you know what i'm saying yeah on feelings right yeah there's i i like the the metaphor of the the elephant and the rider have you ever heard that like for how no. we how we come to our moral judgments mm-hmm. um and so we basically are think of us as we're like an elephant uh, and the elephant is our feelings. Like, so what you're saying uh-huh. about like what determines whether we war or not, uh-huh. um, it's ultimately based on a feeling, like a feeling of like, I like this person more so than on, on like rational thought. Um, right. and so, yeah, we, we are, uh, the elephant represents our, our intuitions, uh, and the rider represents our, our rational thought. But at the end of the day, like where the where the the elephant and the rider go is largely determined by the elephant. The elephant, it's it's it, it determines where, <laughs> you know, the direction uh, that they're that they're going to move in. What the rider has an ability to do is to you know counsel and suggest and um, and so the rider is kind of like the elephant's lawyer, uh, but also like the elephant's spokesperson uh, because the ele- so. When the elephant does something, the writer is is like the press secretary who has to find a way to justify uh, mm. why uh-huh. why the, why the uh-huh. elephant and you decided to punch that person. And now the uh-huh. spokesperson, the rational thought starts like a lawyer starts coming up with all these like, well, the reason I punched him is because this and the, he did this and that. <laughs> but really, it's just it was just it's 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 emotion, it's feeling, you know. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so. Right. And that's yeah. Interpersonal relationships are driven by um, by feelings a lot more than right. by rational thought. And then at the end, what we're left with, as we as with regard to the astral scandal, is well, everybody was doing it. They just happened to have gotten busted. You know what I'm saying? And why the Astros? Well, maybe there maybe there are millions of reasons why they got busted, and and they have nothing to do with any kind of personal beef between MLB and the owners. And you know, but the the point is that when it's all said and done, like I I ask like why the Astros if everybody else is doing it, right? Um, but I think that that's that's kind of that's the end of the conversation. We all say, well, they were doing it, so therefore they got busted. Everybody's cheating. Hopefully this will get teams to stop cheating or get them to like send a message to the rest of the of the league to be like, yo, cool it, no more, you know. Um, I think this cheating thing is 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 no bigger or no worse than any other cheating, uh, especially with the steroid stuff. And and I'll tell you why because what's what's that guy? Kai, what was his, I can't pronounce his name? Keichel? Keichel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy who apologized. Yeah, he he said he made a good point. Yeah, the guy who apologized. He said. Look, even if we knew what pitches were coming, sometimes their pitchers were better than our hitters. You know? It's like, even if you know, you still have to hit the damn ball. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I would just say that. I thought that was a pretty pretty awesome point. Um, and then the second thing is, why didn't the owners get busted? Yeah. And I, th- and I think there's there has been outrage about that by the, by the public. Like the, that's, that's been one of the big, you know, people don't feel, feel kind of dissatisfied with that, but it's also, but also just kind of, uh, just kind of accepting that, you know, that's just kind of how the world works. Right. Right. Also the issue with the way that this was, um, 
the way that we went about this, or the way that baseball went about it in the media, and then and then ultimately us, um, but more so this goes on 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 baseball in the media is, is the focus was on just punishing punishing the culprits, um, and so like so often with so many of our issues that we face, that's our that's we just take that very. Um, I think it's a limit. It's a it's a necessary but a limiting approach. It's the whole like we're just we're basically just chopping down the symptom. So those guys, Altuve and the Astros are are ultimately a symptom of a deeper problem. And and the way that that the media guided the conversation was focusing solely on. So you have this whole public of people who are angry and outraged, and what they did with that was just. Uh, you know, feed into that, and 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 the whole conversation was like, heads need to roll, who needs to be punished, etc. Rather than maybe asking why did they do it, what is the what are the root drivers of what would drive uh, someone to freaking tape a buzzer to their chest, and then that gets us into these into, you know, asking these, um, I guess these more difficult questions, which is. They're they're motivated to win, and so so can I ask you, Profe, what is winning? Does that not reflect the greater neuroses of our society? I mean, I think fucking most of us get up and look at ourselves in the mirror and go, "I'm a fucking winner," you know, and we demand that from our experience every day, you know. Yeah, I mean, so like, I think. Winning, if we we can define it on in different ways, like on like in a, in a simple sense, winning is is accomplishing a goal, and and so by creating goals, we we create we we develop forms of of like excellence or mastery, and so you know maybe, maybe you can even say winning is is accomplishing a goal that that requires like the ability to can. Uh, like control your senses at the highest levels, or control your mind. Like a- accomplishing a win in any form, it, it suggests that uh, some sort of accomplishment in 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 being able to focus and concentrate your your mental power, right? So so winning is kind of it's about the power of control um, at the most, like at the in the in the basic sense of of what winning is. Um, and then in, in the social sense, you could say winning is gaining approval from others. And our, our ancestors, who were the best at being able to cooperate with others and gain others' approval, like strangers, uh, they were the ones whose genes were passed on. Their genes, th- their genes were the winners. And, and that's why we have such a, an amazing ability to cooperate with each other's uh, and why we're like inherently sensitive creatures to to the approval and disapproval of others, and so it's like this. So the desire for for social status it's built into us, and and we measure and winning is status. You think that's always been the operating uh, procedure for who we are as human beings? Has that has that changed? Has that evolved? The the status and winning and and our relationship to the idea of winning yes yeah no it's it is it's a it's been part of our 
our our survival mechanism. What is what are your thoughts on what winning is? Would you agree or add to that or I think winning is uh I agree with you that winning is a it's like an embedded innate part of who we are as human beings. And it has helped it 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 it, it goes to our our status as individuals and as our place in the community and in the tribe and it you know obviously to me it feels good i think the issue with winning for me is that there's also this notion that um uh, that that winning is winning is is something that needs to be kind of kept uh kept kept uh you have to be able to harness this idea of 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 winning because if you win too much then 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 your winning becomes um uh, 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 um, um, can can lead to a form of dysfunction in in in, in not with maybe within you but also within within your the opponents that you're defeating or, or beating you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that at some core uh, we might be we might be ashamed of the fact that we all love to win, you know, and we don't necessarily think of winning, uh, you know, winning spans the entire cosmic human experience, not just when we play games. The games, I think, allow us to manifest the neurosis of those, ex- of those feelings, but we're constantly in a never-ending experience of wanting to win right you know and we will stop at nothing to win and even if it means you know if it if it could mean like you know stomping on someone else's dream or 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 running over something being in denial about who we really are as human beings um rationalizing our behavior in the name of winning, I think winning is winning is one of our number one obsessions. And when I hear people talk about um, uh, 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 winning not being uh, as important as uh, the idea of having fun, uh, it, it, it does it does this it does this this uh, disassemble my argument because um, I do think. There's some truth to that, but at the same time, I think there's like a deep-rooted fear that we all have to acknowledge within ourselves that we're all obsessed with winning of some form or another. Totally, yeah. Um, so, it, like the it's the drive to win is is one that we yeah we we recognize and and it's and yeah and it serves a it serves a useful purpose. Uh, what we do have the ability to do, though, also is is we define the goals that that go on to be what we measure winning by, and so, um, and so, yes, we're always going to be driven to want to prove that we're good members of the community, like we're good members of the tribe, and so, and so we're driven to do that, and 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 that's a way of 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 thinking of of winning. But then we could think about ways that we we have the ability to rethink what winning. You know what it is. What are those? What does status 
having status mean? And and so we can see how in different different cultures oh. winning looks different. And so that's where I think like we can we can think about is what have we bred to perceive as winning and do we want to start to think about reimagining that? No, absolutely I agree and I think that's the second part of where this is where I end up. I always end up at a place when once I once I go on a diatribe about why I think winning is an inherent part of the human experience and why we all love to win even though we want to admit admit it or not. I think and I don't want to to cheapen this or minimize uh, but you know when you th- when you are aware of the fact that you have an absurd need to win an absurd desire to win or be a part of this status seeking experience but when you understand that it its effects are can be damaging to yourself and to others and that Maybe this notion of believing in the truth of whatever your cause may be, because it's easy to dismiss somebody who watches sports, who's a, a, a sports watching grandstander to say, God, you're such an idiot. You're obsessed with like following these men and women on the field and you root for them and you get upset when they lose and you get really happy when they win. And it's just all a bunch of fucking fantasy and it's entertainment. But, and I agree. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There's an there's an open and honest accepting of like I'm going to engage in this and we've talked about this we don't need to get into this but what I think there are things in our daily lives where we want to win at you know it's like I want to win at being the best yoga person I want to win at being the healthiest person I want to win at there's things that we're constantly striving to win at and it may not be in relation to others it may be just in relation to ourselves but then when we start to take that winning so serious that it becomes dogma or belief, then it gets super corrupted. And when we don't talk about like, hey, you know what? First step of first step of, 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 of dealing with this issue of what does winning look like? How can we change the, 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 the model for what winning looks like or can feel like is, is admitting that, look, I, 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 this is just something that has ensured my survival as a, as a human, has ensured our survival as a species. But if we want to evolve past it, I need to like kind of look at how those instances of me needing to win so that I can have an honest dialogue with myself about how to reframe that, how to transform that into something that maybe not more productive, but creates greater cooperation and just a, a, a lighter nicer place to be at in this world than the constant like battle of 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 ideologies uh on one side and the other yes and and that's and and it's hard to it's difficult because you're that balance between acknowledging that this is something real and important but it's not but it is you know that's Mm -hmm. a um it's tricky but it but it if you know if we took a step back to remember that we created all of this and mm-hmm. that whether it be a game like baseball uh money um and and at the risk of of being provocative say religion mm-hmm. uh and in turn the whole concept of winning whether it be winning the world series or earning a million dollars or making it to heaven um these these are our own socially constructed fictions. Um, 
Uh, and it's not to say that because they're fictions, they're not real. They're very real, and, and they serve very real conventional functions in our world. But they're fictions nevertheless. And so, um, you know, how do you how do you approach these things with that understanding of this is a fiction, but it's real and I'm, and I engage within it, uh, authentically and, and in a real way, but it is a fiction. It is based on the fiction, right? Yes. Um, yes. But that is, yeah, I think that's really important to be able to do that. When you lose sight of that, that's when you lose sight of that before you know it, you're, you're banging trash cans like a madman. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds simplistic, but it really is not. It's 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 very involved and very deep, you know? Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not just a matter of, like, turning it on and turning it off, although it really is that. But, you know, I think... I think the, the 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 issue with this notion of winning and our obsession with winning and and you know the obsession of optimizing some of some people that I really consider to be by my definition successful um they they they're they're optimizing they're doing a really good job of of being efficient with their use of time and of having clear set boundaries about how much time they allot to things or what energy they spend on things. So I feel like that's a necessary, I'm not, I'm not advocating for like just being these like free flowing, like, you know, you know, uh, uh, leaves in the wind. Right. Cause I want that for myself and I don't want everyone doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy just doing that. So I, I don't want everyone, I don't not, I'm not advocating that people do that. I'm just saying, there's a need for that, and I think it's important to have that, and I think it's important to to look at oneself and try to optimize, so to speak, by by um, by doing things that will lead you to a greater understanding of yourself and greater respect and compassion for yourself, that ultimately leads to greater compassion for others, which ultimately which leads to a greater f- way of cooperation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the issue then the issue becomes then like why do we all declare ourselves immune from this idea of winning and then we constantly engage in it and here we are using the technology back to the technology because I think this this is so like this is such a huge part of this whole astro thing um, and and you 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 I think explained it beautifully. I think it's an underlying thing that may we may not even be aware of. But what I think again, it returns to this issue of if I just if I just move these few things in my life, if I just if I just use this device to tell me how to get from point A to point B, so I don't I can like outsource I can outsource my use of space in my brain to 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 uh, to a map on my phone and I can outsource the use of, 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 uh, reading a book to an app that will summarize things for me. We miss out on the experience of having a relationship to things. And if we miss out on the experience of having a relationship to things, we miss out on that time spent, uh, getting to a deeper understanding of, of 
who we are, which in turn is who, who others are, and in turn to greater cooperation. But those things take time, and I think time is just a luxury that we we just can't afford anymore because we've we've basically been co-opted by our devices and by those devices that have the most brilliant people in the world of psychology working on how to get you to engage with that device and that application on that device to spend the most time there rather than looking at yourself and having a conversation and engaging with these uncomfortable feelings of what it means to win. Hey, I love to win too. You know, I, I want to be the best. Uh, I want to do the best uh, downward dog, you know, not, not because I want to show off, but because I just want to be able to connect to my cosmic yoga being, you know, but do you have to do all that to connect to your greater cosmic yoga being? You don't have to, but you can. And there's there's benefits to it, but there's you know I guess what are the consequences at what cost? Right, and this is where this is where I get into trouble, and I'm sure this is where you get into trouble. Um, it's all it's it's all theater, right? <laughs> Can we talk about the kayfabe now? Yeah, and, and, and well, and I and I think um, and that's what you know what we're getting at with this idea of, of the fiction, right? It's like. Um, and yes, and it's hard. Like, it's it's acknowledging that to that point of of cooperation and to the importance of to the significance of how it's our ability to cooperate that 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 is special and that we should cherish. Um, what allows us to do that is our ability to create symbols and stories unlike any other animal, and so uh, we create value systems and belief systems and. And then we agree as a group to buy into them. That's ultimately what, what when, because I think it might sound ridiculous to say like baseball or money is a fiction. Um, but I mean, right. what we mean is just like the, the, it's, they're based on all these things, you know, money is based on symbols and stories and we create this story around this object and it, and then, and then we can do things that we can, it serves a, it serves a, a purpose. We can exchange goods and services with it and, and further facilitating cooperation. And so the goal should always be, and that's, I think, usually organically what we end up doing is we create these things. We create these fictions for the purpose of facilitating unity, order, uh, and then this gives us, you know, it, it gives us as a group a, a sense of purpose. And so to, to think about, so how can we think of, seeing the game of baseball and and winning within baseball or winning within like having a career and your income and all that as both something that is that is real but is also um but is also not in the sense that yeah baseball or wrestling maybe provides that model for us where you know the the, the wrestler engages within this this idea of what I'm doing is it's you know it's a fictional performance but it's real at the at the same time um, and there's this understanding within the performer and within the audience and can't yeah can you take that way of understanding something and apply it beyond the the wrestling ring and ultimately what's the goal of the wrestling performance 
it's just another it's another thing that we've created to facilitate a unifying space and pass the time and pass the time and 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 then more in getting to this point of of winning as the function the wrestler is not concerned with win like the wrestler is not obsessed with being the one to pin the other person one two three right uh the wrestler who goes out there knowing they're going to quote unquote lose understands that this concept of winning and losing is is part of the fiction that we all are engaging in and so and while keeping in sight that the real the ultimate goal is creating this this cooperative spectacle and so you know how do we how do we approach other aspects of our lives or do we want to within this same idea of like i'm going to i'm going to approach this with a desire to win and we should like that's good for you to want to win at doing your downward facing dog and win at right. and all of this like that's that's good uh, I don't. I hope this is, isn't sounding like we're saying it's pointless. Um, mm. But can you do that? And like the wrestling performer, understand that um, that winning at this thing is is not part of the the larger goal. <laughs> but then you could argue that the delivering the performance that is stands outside of winning and losing and doing it effectively is a form of winning, right? Can be perceived as I won at achieving this correct yeah yeah i mean and, and that's ultimately what, what you're trying to do is you're you're the, the wrestler's form of winning is gaining approval from the audience and the audience isn't going to give them approval based on who wins or loses so that's what it's like there that's why wrestling has this understanding of wins and losses not meaning anything um uh but when they're in there they all pretend that it matters in right. the end, in the end, what winning is is um, it's gaining the approval of others, which goes back to just goes to the heart of what what winning is amongst social creatures like us. And how do you gain approval from others? Um, you know, one of the the easiest ways to do it is it just in our everyday lives is to um, respect each other and take the time to understand each other. And, um, and that's the ultimate goal. As cheesy as it sounds. No, no. I I agree 100%. Um, so can you... And what what is the... What's the, the danger in, in adhering to the principle that it really doesn't matter? Um, um, how can you evade nihilism? And, and and like go about your life every day if if winning no longer becomes the 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 operation uh for our everyday interaction and experience uh how can we how how do you not how do you not uh all of a sudden start to advocate i mean me personally i think like none of this matters like there's 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 no way of knowing if there's a prize at the end. So like being good or being bad, like we, right? But on the off chance that there is a, a, a next reality, or you know, it, it's a good. It would be a good bet while we're all here to be kind and loving and accepting and 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 tolerant of each other, right? It's just it's just good for business. It's good it's good for the survival of our species, as we've already said, correct? Mm-hmm. And 
and then on the off chance that you can take some of these ideas with you to whatever the next the next plane may be or may not be um it would be nice to to learn something while you're here right but on the off chance that there's nothing afterwards um there's really this 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 notion of being morally superior or 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 doing things because there's a higher purpose or the virtue is required to be a better person those things those things matter but they really don't when it's all said and done it's kind of like you know I don't really like I said I don't really believe the things I believe as stupid as that sounds or as irrational as that may sound you know it's just it's just the way for me to pass the time yeah. and I like to engage in things that are just I like to be nice and kind to people and I like to or try at least to be accepting and tolerant or or work on being accepting and tolerant you know uh but it, I understand that it, it does I mean there's no there's you know other than for the survival of our species there's 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 very likely I'm not going to get a scooby snack at the end of it for it you know right but I'm not a nihilist no and never would I adhere to a principle of nihilism, although I may sound like I'm advocating for that. But, you know, like I said in the beginning, um, pretend like it matters, even though you don't, it doesn't matter, but it does really matter. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's very real is how I feel when there's like a, when you have a connection with another person and like that feels good when you get approval from people that feels good when you disapproval that feels that could hurt like those things are real um and and we we appreciate those those feelings um uh and we appreciate the experience like going through all those experiences of of, of feelings um by by choosing to by choosing to be participant because to be participants it's like you have to Part of being a participant is agreeing to these to the stories. Like uh, they, they will not work if if we don't all buy into it. If it's, it has to be shared beliefs and shared values. And so I guess the reason that we can choose to go like, eh, it doesn't matter anyways, and just choose not to participate. Um, but then we miss out on on all those feelings, right? And I'd rather I'd rather jump in and put on my my mask and play. Right, miss out on the tension created by the idea of winning and losing. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and again. So it's like, so of course, the Astros they shouldn't they should never step onto the baseball field and be like, no, well let's not win. Like of course they they should go out. We want them to go in there and be obsessed with with winning the game. The, the more that they do that and the more that the Dodgers do it, the better of a show that they put on for us. Right. <laughs> but it's still like, but we also, um, but if it gets to the point that they start using Apple watches, <laughs> it might just make, it might make the performance over time less enjoyable for all of us. And so it, we'd rather like, it's like, yes, we really, really want you to want to win. And that makes you should. Um, but but now you're starting to like work yourself into a shoot when you're using Apple Watches. Like, don't forget, dude. Like, don't forget it's there's something bigger at uh, involved here than you winning. Um, and by you bringing in the Apple Watch into it, you might be sacrificing 
this cooperative space that that we've that we've created and just making it just um, decreasing its. I'll say it. It's beauty, and it's, it's yes, it's like it's fucking. It's it's romance. It's it's nuance. It's 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 ultimate reflection of of of, of what has gotten here us gotten us here in the first place. It's just kind of this this tension, this this balance that makes the whole thing fun, and the opposite of being nihilistic. You know, it 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 makes it completely engaging and amazing to participate in. Uh, for for a lot of people and for others, it makes it you know a lot of people that don't get to engage in that, and we have to recognize that as well. But we'll have to have another show for that. Um, but you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. Well, I mean, it's going back to Weber's Iron Cage. That's that's what he that what he warned against. What he was saying was like this: what we what we lose when we when when efficiency and rational calculation become become the the primary goal, huh. it's at the cost of creativity and art and and you know those more those form of beauties that are that can't be calculated necessarily, um, but we can feel them. We know what it feels like. And what do we lose when we lose that? We're hurting the elephant. You know, we're we're letting the writer have too much, um, too much say, and um, it's it takes us away from from who we are, from our nature, and who we really are at at our core. I get the sense that via, and not just technology, but I think the ethos that technology bred this 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 dot com thing that we could take. We could disrupt and take this. We could use this technology to make a better reality, right? I mean, what's the what's the what's the motto for Apple? Think different, you know. That 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 kind of evokes this whole way of a whole philosophy of looking at life, right? And that's kind of an extension of the ethos of this dot com part one reality that we've inherited when they merged the the neoliberalistic views merging the left and the right into one giant like thing that like we're all now just going to be uh, post race and post everything. We're going to change all our acronyms and our, and our, um, and our pronouns and et cetera, et cetera. Eventually we're just going to figure out a way to coexist because now we have the framework and the mechanisms to get us there faster without having to go through the pain of existence, which is boring and tedious and mundane. Do you think that the aim behind this impetus, this drive to get there is rooted or, 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 or propagated by the shame that we have and how stupid we've been about uh, going about our business of being human beings? But it's and it's also but it's also just what what has been it's driven the creation of it has been it's the creation of it was has been driven by what was this these principles that we already have become obsessed with and those principles were what what developed what guided the the way that we went about creating technology 
Yeah, I mean to be super super simplistic about what I'm trying. Yeah, that's that's the way I would. I, that's the that's my argument. But but more beyond that, I think it's like a it's it's the same way that if you think that if you believe in praying and accepting God into your life, you will find the salvation that you're desperately seeking. And the world will find the salvation that it's desperately seeking because all we really need to do is adhere to these uh, dogmatic principles of how to be better people. And really, it's just another set of rules and dogmas that really haven't they really haven't expanded on some of an, on a technology or a system that was already in place a long time ago. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, like nothing's really changing. Right, but we think we're changing. But everything's kind of like no, we're just switching out the dogmas. That's all. I think. I think that's one of. The, I think what you've your argument about winning and 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 kind of the way you've explained it. I think is is pretty spot on. With I agree with how I feel that you know we're we're, we're this Astros thing. What it does, what it elicits in us, you know. Um, but uh, I I think it also speaks to. These things that I'm assuming are going to come up when you switch your dogmas to a technocratic reality that's ruled by scientific analysis and data-driven decisions and uh, rubrics and metrics that tell you, you don't have to think existentially anymore. We have an answer for you here. Look, here's the data. You know, you don't have to no longer take a chance on... On on a on a on a kid from college who looks like he has baseball material and he's big and he's strong and he throws really well, but the metrics say no, don't don't draft that kid. But we don't really know that that's true, you know. We just assume based on the technology, and we all jump along and go, you know. And I'm, what I'm referring to is that in the Moneyball in the Moneyball uh, uh, philosophy of 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 recruiting players, there used to be this old way that we recruited players like. You know, the five-tool player who had a great arm and was fast and could hit for power and hit for average and, and was a great fielder. You know, there was these, these components that made – but but the, the disruption of Moneyball and of the sabermetrics was saying, like, that's all wrong and antiquated, and that actually does not breed wins. What breeds wins is this, 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 and that. And then we might potentially pass up on that five-tool player that could potentially have become, you know, a Mickey Mantle or – you know, or a, you know, a, a Mike Trout, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So it's like, it hasn't really fixed anything. It's just, it's just made us believe more, be more at ease with our choice. Be like, okay, yeah, the metrics say this is how we're going to do it. We're going to pass on this Mike Trout kid and we're going to, we're going to get these three other players that are going to, that are going to give us more wins, you know? Right. And we, and the world misses out on Mike Trout. He's a fucking amazing ball player who maybe doesn't produce the wins that the Angels need to be in the championship, but we get to see one of the like most like uh amazing ball players of his time. And to me that's that elicits pleasure and joy that goes way beyond winning. And I even wonder like how much um what could also get lost in that although and maybe the, the, maybe this was never the case, but but you know what about those like those intangibles that like I think to um, player that the Padres had uh, the Franimal right mm-hmm. he wasn't really he wasn't very good but he made us happy he made he made us feel good and I and I wonder if sabermetrics uh, calculates for that 
probably not. And that's again, that's that's what I'm getting at, right? Um, we could talk about. Can we can we talk really quickly about muffin games? Remember, yeah. I told you about muffin games. Uh-huh. Uh, so major league major league teams in in the in the beginning of of baseball, and you know, I'm not going to try to remember the time, but it was it was early, early, early on in uh, professional organized baseball. Uh, franchises or clubs would have. The A team, the B squad, and then they would have a C squad, maybe the, maybe even a D squad. But basically, they had a they had a, a a team that was just part people that were part of the club who wanted to play baseball, but who were just not not even not even good amateur players. They were they were they were, they were to, to compare them to elite would just be a mockery to the elite players. But these they were just maybe guys like you and me. Who could throw a ball around and could run the bases and had some notion of the game, but we were never going to make it to even the B squad. You know what I'm saying? So they were they were they would play in these games after the after the the big boys played. They would have a game and they were called muffin games, and um, they were called muffin players because they would muff the ball. You know, uh, that's where it comes from. Uh, the, the, this, the, this, 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 this notion was that these players would go, basically it was, it was meant to be funny and it was meant to, meant to be like shitty players against shitty players. And they would like ham it up beyond the, you know, they were, they sucked, but then they would like really make it into (laughs) entertainment. Yes. And people like people went to, people would fill the muffin games the same way they would fill the, the elite, the elite games. And this was like a huge money making uh uh thing for for clubs around you know when when the muffin games were happening and I think that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard with regard to baseball kind of you know like the Harlem Globetrotters you know yeah it was a spectacle it was a show it was it was it went it was outside the reaches of winning. What would be so wrong with uh going to see the Padres and think of them you already think of them this way but to conceive of them as uh, as our muffin team, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, no, totally. totally. And then who wins then? You know, yeah. You know, there's a um, there's a wrestler who his whole gimmick is that he doesn't care about he doesn't even want to be there and he doesn't care about winning and he wrestles <laughs> and he wrestles the entire time with his hand he wears jeans instead of like so he just he's dressed in <laughs> jeans and like aviator glasses. And uh, he wrestles the whole time with his hands in his pockets, like with that hands in your pockets, like you don't care. <laughs> he's the nihilist, yeah, right. Um, but he's mocking nihilism. It's, it's a mockery. Right? Yeah, it's it's a it's like you can't be that disengaged, right? Right. <laughs> but he wins. Why? What's that? But he wins. <laughs> but he wins. Oh, that's beautiful. So. You know, it's 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 uh, it's multiple layers of of mockery going on there. But it, <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I mean that's yeah. Anyways, I have one last thing. So, you know, we in the beginning we talked about um, the the ebb and flow of interaction. And the ebb and flow of conversation, the ebb and flow of accepting, uh, discerning, 
opposing voices, the ebb and flow of taking this, you know, the, 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 the need to take a step back and slow things down to have a conversation. And, you know, the professor and I have been on a, on a, on a crusade, or maybe that's not the appropriate word, or on a mission to, to, to hear this dialogue out. And to really have a conversation beyond the sound bites and beyond the outrage and indignation. Because that gets us nowhere. And to kind of accepting some kind of accepting our little tiny responsibility for things and then also taking into account greater, larger things that play that lead to unfair situations. Um, and I think that when we live in a reality where everything can be summed up in a soundbite and in a very neatly wrapped up conclusion to how we're going to feel about the Houston Astros cheating, I think it's a disservice to this idea of cooperation because it implies that all we really need to do is read a couple articles follow or listen to the voices that we uh, agree with and we've come to a conclusion and now we've made an, we can make an assessment on something like the Astros cheating or on whether the president of the United States should be impeached, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but here's what I find really interesting. There's an element of conservation and of progress on both the left and the right. Have you ever thought about this, Profe? Mm -hmm. They both, at different times, for different reasons, for different motivations, and for different like sociocultural implications, both the left and the right want to save and safeguard and protect these things, right? Mm -hmm. And they act in a manner that tries to conserve these very valuable things, right? Yes. And wouldn't it? Would it, is it too too naive to say? Couldn't isn't that a common ground that we both share? This need to conserve these things that we value, you know. And the word, cons you know, the word conservative implies uh, uh, a maybe possibly right of center mentality, right? The, uh, 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 a conservative implies kind of stayed and done and 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 and. And unaccepting or unbending to a new way of looking at reality, right? Mm -hmm. But that exists on the left as well. There are lots of things that people who are left of the center want. They will go way out of their way and they will argue tooth and nail to save these things that they value or that they consider to be uh, uh, needing to be kept safe, right? And their rhetoric and their arguments become... Uh, dogmatic and maybe sometimes possibly uh, uh, border on 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 uh, on on totalitarian in their way of looking at things, right? Mm -hmm. And then the left and the right engages in a tug of war that never ends, fighting over the fact that they both want to conserve these things. And they've both already agreed that the thing that the other wants to conserve is not worth conserving. And I think how interesting this word to conserve 
um, affects all of us and how interesting it is that if we're all in this desire to save these things, whether it be um, do away with monoculture farming and bring diversity to our farming system because we know the, 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 the catastrophic effects of that or saving the traditional family values or ideas uh, as absurd as they may seem to this new reality or, or as powerful and potent as they may, uh, they may be or saving, conserving uh, religious ideologies of certain uh, Christian faiths in America or the being open to these, uh, the protecting, conserving uh, the values of a certain social uh, group. We're all engaged in this need to save these things that we find valuable. And isn't that a beautiful common ground that we share on all ends of this, on, from one beginning of the spectrum to the other? And if we just if we just go like that Pac-Man game to the end, we'll realize that we're right where we started, and we're all like basically looking for a way to cooperate. But the only way that we'll ever get to cooperate is by taking a step back and really, really just having that understanding and that relationship to the other. Yeah, completely agree. I think this. Um, yeah, I have so many thoughts. This is this leads us into into the next episode. Right. Um, but yeah, but, and, and when both the, both these groups on their stories of what is sacred, uh, and what, and, and what they want to conserve is sacred. Um, when they become consumed by the notion of, of their story of sacred winning, um, it could complicate the cooperative process. Absolutely. And to the Houston Astros in 2017 and to the fans that loved their team that year and to all of us who watched because that was the year that they were affected by the hurricane, their motivation for winning, I think, uh, outpaced our need to uh, maybe enforce certain things about whether the way they were going about winning was fair or not. And if we could just talk about that rather than just make a decision and say the Astros are cheaters. But um, I think they, they, I think they just reflect the larger neuroses uh, the larger neuroses of the society. And that is that we're, we're all obsessed with winning that sometimes we would cheat to, to win. And maybe, maybe just maybe if we start thinking about winning in a different way, which we will start to get into, as the seasons progress, as the se- as the episodes progress, maybe we can start thinking about uh, the value, the inherent value of, of the muffin games that we play. Get to work, cabrones. of a man with a beer in his hand. He looked like a drunk old fool. And I knew if I hit him right, why well, I could knock him off of that stool. But everybody, they said, watch out. Hey, that's Tiger Man McCool. He's had a whole lot of fights, and he's always come out winner. Yeah, he's a winner. But I'd had myself about five too many, and I walked up tall and proud. I faced his back and I faced the fact that he had never 
stooped or bowed. I said, Tiger man, you're a pussycat. And a hush fell on the crowd. I said, let's you and me go outside and see who's a winner. Well, he gripped the bar with one big hairy hand and embraced against the wall. He slowly looked up from his beard. My God, that man was tall. He said, boy, I see you're a scrapper. So just before you fall, I'm going to tell you just a little about what it means to be a winner. Sure as hell not fair. Triple H with the first strike of the referee. 